Uh, all right. Well, if you were here, um, well, if you were at church last Sunday, I uh, shared a the big idea of. I understand, right? We have the church plant that's going to be launched next weekend, and so as I thought about uh, what I want to share from the scriptures, is I, I wanted to uh, leave you with uh, some of our Heavenly Father's gifts so that you could take with you along the way. Whether you're staying at the Galway, uh, uh, the Naknakara. Okay, did I say that correctly? Okay, thank you. Um, what, what, wherever you are, um, I wanted to leave with you five gifts. So, last Sunday we talked about God's compassion, right? Um, so you remember the, the passage, one of the passages we talked about was when Jesus looked out on the crowds, he saw them, that they were uh, distressed and dispirited, and he had compassion on them. Well, another one of the gifts that we're going to talk about is God's mercy. So tonight we'll get to that from Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, and then tomorrow we're going to take a look at what does it mean that God cares for us? As well, tomorrow, we are going to, uh, what does it mean that God wants to strengthen us? And how does that play out in the life of a Christian? And then on Sunday morning, we're going to end with God's victory and how we can share in that. And each of these gifts that we have, uh, have been given as his children, um, he wants us to uh, not only uh, know from uh, an intellectual understanding, but these are things for our lives, for our very souls when life happens. Now, I picked these five. There's so many gifts that we could have talked about over the weekend, but uh, I picked these particular five for, uh, uh, so, and you'll hear some personal reasons uh, along the way. Uh, these have been personally experienced by me over these last several years of life. And this, in fact, the scriptures that I'm going to look at, I've known for a very, very long time, for, for many years. But they have taken a very new flavor for me um, in, a, in a particular way over these uh, recent years. Uh, because just the reality is, is life happens for believers, right? Um, you believers have our ups and downs. Um, and uh, we are not, um, we're not free from the realities of the world uh, we're not free from the realities of human experience. Uh, those things happen to us just like anybody else. Um, but these are things that will sustain us along the way. So to start about, uh, to talk about mercy, here's uh, a map of the U.S. And you can see uh, this is where our church is right here by the star. But the little... Pin drop, that is San Antonio, Texas. And that is where I grew up, and that is the first time, that is the location in June of 1991, when I heard for the first time the concept 
of mercy. So, um, the, uh, this girl who uh, was the one who uh, shared Christ with, Christ with me one night, uh, she opened her Bible, and it was to Ephesians chapter 2, and it was verses 8 and 9. So this might be very familiar to, to some of you. It says, For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, and this not from ourselves. It is the gift of God and not by works, so that no man can boast. And up to that time in my life, I thought that I probably maybe would get into heaven because I've only lied to my parents just a little bit. I mean, which high schooler doesn't do that after all? And you know what? It's not like I was as bad as Hitler. So you know what? I probably, hopefully, will get in because I'm probably good enough. Until my friend shared with me that verse. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But it all started with this idea of mercy right there in San Antonio, Texas. And it, it's amazing that um, no matter where we have friends from Minnesota and South Africa and Romania and the truth of God's word, it, it's applicable all over the place. And, uh, and that really is amazing. Well, uh, Ephesians 2. We're going to look at these few verses. And we're going to see in the, in the first few verses how humanity has a problem. And we're also going to see that humanity has a solution. And, and it is the grace of God. But the thing that I would love for us to consider in our application, uh, tonight at least, is the reason why there's a solution in the first place. So, what is that reason? Well, let's start with, here is the problem. So let me read to you Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. It says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air and of the spirit that is now working in uh, the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So the Apostle Paul, as he writes, he's describing the nature of all humanity apart from God. Um, he says, right, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Right? So uh, obviously we were physically alive, but when he talks about being dead in our trespasses and sins, this is a, a, a spiritual deadness. Uh, this is... Uh, describing this reality of uh, there is no relationship with God. Uh, this is a spiritual death, a separation from God, and that is in our trespasses and sins. It is because of what humans have done. And, and so uh, even this, this describes uh, folks who may be immoral and excessive in their immorality, but it might also be describing those who were proud in their morality, 
It can be self-indulgence and uh, in their trespasses and sins, and it could also be self-righteousness. And that is another expression of trespasses and sins. See, in verse 2, he tells everybody that in which you formerly walked according to the age of this world. Now, in this passage, he is talking to believers. He is talking to Christians, and so that's why we can read about he uses this past tense, right? You formerly walked, and so he's helping Christians remember what they used to be, right? So in which you formerly walked according to three things. He says, according to the age of this world. These are the values. These are the worldviews. This is what society believes, that which is good and what they celebrate. Uh, this is the age of this world. He says, you also formerly walked according to the ruler of the authority of the air. That's in reference to Satan, who is that, uh, the antithesis of all that is good. Right? So he is the one who is in authority over this world system. And he says, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Right? That, uh, that spiritual part of an individual right, where there is... Uh, no interest in God in and of themselves. And he says, this is what you were. Verse 3, it says, Among them we too all lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were little factories of sin. Uh, this word, uh, indulging, uh, it has this idea of uh, things that we produce. So some of you work for companies that produce things and makes chips or or makes this. That's the idea that we were we were little sin factories along the way. This is just what we did in the lust of the flesh and of the mind. Whether we expressed it in our behavior or not, this is what we used to be apart from God. And he says we were by nature children of wrath. So from birth we were naturally destined for judgment apart from God, even as the rest. So that little phrase, even as the rest, it's in reference to those who have yet to follow Christ. So that's where the folks were that he's talking to in Ephesians chapter 2. And that is the problem with all of humanity. Um, this was the mess. Uh, the mess can be expressed through wild immorality, through proud morality, either Either way. So, what did God do in response to that? Now, you probably know this, but just, just so we can get the flavor of the big contrast that is going on, consider this. All right? If this is God's creation, his people, all right, uh, the, 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 the people that he created, and they're the ones who express all of the trespasses and all of the sins. And they're the ones who are walking away from him, who have no interest in him. There is a spiritual death in, in their lives. And it's amazing that in verse 4, uh, it starts off, but God. There's a contrast, but before you finish uh, reading what that contrast is, let me just say, the Bible doesn't say this. 
The Bible doesn't say, but God being exacting and stern, and then he describes what? That's not how God is described. Remember, these folks were dead in their trespasses and sins, and they followed the rule of the world, but God, it doesn't say this. Neither does it say, but God being holy and demanding. Now, God is holy. But that's not what Ephesians 2, 4 says. It doesn't say, but God being all-knowing and exposing. God does know all things. He is omniscient, but that's not what the passage says in response to what these Ephesian believers were. It doesn't say, that, but God being harsh and finger-pointing. It doesn't say that either. And it doesn't say, but God being embarrassed of his creation. It doesn't say that either. And it doesn't say, but God being quick to anger and punish. It doesn't say any of those things. Um, I think in our experience of life, these words that we have here that we can resonate with that. We can feel those things because in our own failures along the way, um, maybe someone has been stern with us. Maybe somebody has been demanding in, our res- in, in the response of our own failure, maybe in our own suffering, uh, in, in our own continued problems, whatever that is. Maybe someone has been exposing who has communicated, well, I'm going to go tell. Maybe somebody has done that in your experience. Or maybe you have that mental, probably more emotional image of someone finds out about your whatever mistake or sin that you might, and and maybe you have this mental image of someone coming up to you and doing this. And just just what that does to a person, and, and it can be shaming. Or maybe someone has said, I'm just embarrassed of you. How could you do that? Maybe you've had that experience when you've had some kind of failure. Or maybe you've had a failure and someone just immediately jumps on you and, and, and their look of anger, it just they just pour out and like, how could you do that? Because that happens in life. Um, that happens But that is not the heart of God. That is not the heart of God. So you can read, right? Um, There in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heaven in the heavens in Christ so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches riches of his grace in Christ towards us right so that's what it says and for those of us who are Christians um, I think sometimes, uh, this is, uh, particularly for those of us who have, 
had a relationship with Christ for some time, uh, it is uh, sometimes uh, easy to overlook or to forget to apply that this is still the heart of God. Because sometimes we can go back to Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 and, and I can look back and it, yes, I used to be dead in my trespasses and sins. And I, yes, I used to walk according to the you know, ruler and the power of the world and I, that used to be my life. So we can look at that as sometimes uh, an intellectual process and forget that God's heart is always merciful. In fact, it says that God is rich in mercy. Uh, those are the kinds of things that um, uh, the idea of abundance and plentifully supplied and uh, <laughs> My son, right now, he's actually, he got invited uh, by a friend who is actually, um, he is quite wealthy. And so my, my son, he gets to go uh, fly from Dallas to Los Angeles, hang out for the whole weekend, uh, go to a special VIP suite at the football game to see the Los Angeles Rams play, and fly back and all at somebody else's expense. So, my son, 17, senior in high school, and no job, so he's got zero dollars. <laughs> he's got nothing. But there is somebody who has an abundance who says, I will give it to you as a gift and just enjoy it. So, my son gets to go. So, when I think of experiences like that, I, I think of this is the kind of of God who we have. He is, he is rich in mercy. If God is infinite, and he is, and he's eternal, and, and he is, well then his mercy is eternal. His mercy is, is infinite. So he is rich in mercy. Um, because of his, verse 4, right, he's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And he says that because of that, God does three things. One, he made us alive together with Christ. Uh, verse 6 says he raised us up together with Christ. And the third thing, he seated us together with Christ in the heavens. And Here's the thing that I would love for you to uh, really think about. In verse 7, it says, So that God might demonstrate in the ages to come the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us. Right here in this room. Toward us in this room. Uh, that God is rich in mercy. So, um, I love to do a little uh, application uh, about this stuff. It, it helps to, to process uh, these great big truths of the reality that God is merciful. So if, if God was merciful to us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and when we were following uh, the ruler of the air, and we were the antithesis spiritually of anything good, if that's when God was good to us, now as his children, he will be merciful to us as well. 
even more. So I started to come up with a list, and maybe if you want to contribute, uh, maybe this is where you can uh, speak up. Well, over time, hopefully, we'll have a little give and take, and I've got some questions. But I wanted to brainstorm a list of some things that cannot, nor in our lifetime, ever bankrupt the mercy of God. Okay? So, here's just a start. So, any human evil, however bad it is, it, it cannot bankrupt the mercy of God because God is rich in mercy. Uh, any active sin, whether it's in our life or in someone else's life, okay? Uh, consistent hard-heartedness. Okay, that can never bankrupt the mercy of God. Uh, repeated failure or uh, addictive behavior or decades of prayerlessness or uh, hurling, even hurling insults at God. It's amazing to think that even those things will never bankrupt the mercy of God because God is rich in mercy. What about shameful activity? Can shameful activity extinguish or bankrupt the mercy of God? No, it cannot. It cannot because God is rich in mercy. Uh, what about embarrassing secret behavior or lack of good works or foolish attempts to earn love or proud moralism, or those private unspeakable thoughts that humans can have. You're like, man, I'm glad nobody knows what I just went through my head or what I'm considering. That cannot bankrupt the mercy of God because God is rich in mercy. Uh, what about nasty activity that can separate friends or uh, a brutal heartbreak or just the mind-numbing confusion that can come from difficulty in life and suffering and tragedy and why did this person die the way they did and that reality of suffering or just the agonizing grief that can happen or the tears that we cry that nobody knows about because we close the door and we just cry because we just want to cry by ourselves. Can those things bankrupt the mercy of God? No, never. Never. Because God is rich in mercy. What about self isolating anxiety? What about chronic health issues? What about that place where your soul feels most defeated? Can that bankrupt the mercy of God? Nope, never. Because the scripture says that God is rich in mercy. He is infinite in mercy. He's eternal in mercy. So you and I cannot out-sin the mercy of God. 
you and I cannot out-suffer the mercy of God. It is impossible because God is rich in mercy. Well, those were some of my ideas, but I don't know. Maybe you guys have some ideas. Um, is there anything that you could add to the list of things that cannot, nor ever in our lifetime, bankrupt the mercy of God? Feel free to, to share if something comes to mind. Sins of omission. God is merciful. Well, just consider where that place of need may be for you. There's, um, there's really two groups of people that you guys can uh, maybe consider uh, how this quality and attribute of God can, can play out. Uh, first of all, for, for God's children, uh, for us. Uh, all of these things our lives, our suffering, whatever is going on in our lives, there is God's mercy that will be there every single time. Every single time, no matter what. Because one of the temptations that Satan tries to bring our way is to speak to us, well, that's probably the last time that God is going to extend mercy to you. It's not true, but that's one of those thoughts and one of those doubts and one of those temptations that can come our way to make us think that, you know what, God's mercy is for them, but not for me. And I also think about, um, as you guys go into, you know, a, a church plant, right? Um, humanity has a sin problem, doesn't it? Um, and it's on planet Earth, right? Uh, all of us, so many of us have been to many different parts of the world. The hard-heartedness that you find in your neighborhood is the hard-heartedness that I find in my neighborhood. Right? It's, it's everywhere. And I think at least maybe, maybe uh, you have a different experience, but I'm speaking from uh, maybe from mine, that, that I find that, that sometimes... Um, that some of my uh, Christian influence that is around me uh, can forget that God is merciful uh, to people who are not like us. And we, for, we can forget because maybe our lives are cleaned up a little bit uh, behaviorally, that we can forget that God is merciful to, to that person or to that group of people, or you just fill in the blank. Uh, people that we disagree with, people that might be actively sinning, people that might be completely against good and Christian values. 
And yet, when God looks at those folks, those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, God's response to those people, it's the same that he had for us, with us, right? That God was rich in mercy, and he made us alive in Christ. And so if God's disposition towards you and us is one of mercy in all of our sin and suffering, for those that are apart from God, in uh, whether it be in our hometown of Frisco, Texas, or right there in Galway, that for those who are anti-God and who don't care about God, what is God's disposition towards them? It is one of mercy, that God is rich in mercy. Well, let me just uh, wrap up um, this section of Scripture with just saying this. Um, that if there's one thing that all of us can kind of take with us, uh, is that God, God's rich mercy when there's sin, because our soul needs to know that, that mercy never, ever runs out. It's never going to run out for me. It's never going to run out for you. It's never going to run out for your neighbor. It's never going to run out because God is rich in mercy. And we desperately need to know that because we struggle. Uh, we're not going to be perfect, right, until the day that God glorifies us when we get to heaven. Uh, we are people along a path, and we need to know that whether it is our sin or someone else's sin or if it's our suffering or someone else's suffering, that our soul needs to know that mercy is always there. Um, well, let me pray for us, and then I will transition, uh, Jason, over to you so you can kind of lead us in a time of corporate prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, I do thank you um, just for your word. Uh, Father, I pray that you would speak to us just in our hearts uh, this message of, of mercy, of your goodness towards those who are needy, uh, and that it really is amazing. Uh, Lord, for whatever doubts uh, that we might have, uh, whatever... Uh, concerns that we have. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, remind us deep within our souls uh, that you want to extend your mercy to us, Lord. Just as we sang that song um, minutes ago, that we need you. Lord, we need you. Uh, that is always true. Um, and so we thank you that in those moments of need, that we can be assured, Lord, of your mercy and of your kindness towards us. Uh, so assure us of that today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.